Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Haas Talks Foss. I'm the Haas, head of open source strategy here at Percona, Matt Yakovit. And today I'm joined by a longtime member of the MySQL community, someone that I used to work with years and years ago, and we've kept up over the years at various conferences and things when they were in person. Um, Alex Kazminski. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, I'm really excited to... Uh, to go to the conference, uh, to, to see faces, to hang out at the bar, and uh, I look forward to all amazing talks. I, I just checked out the schedule. The talks are really interesting, and uh, I, I plan to attend a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so much content, it's going to be great. And uh, we're actually, we had so much content, we couldn't get it all in. So we're going to plan like uh, a, a, a couple weeks later, or a month later, some virtual uh, days just so we could get people who couldn't make it uh, because of, you know, everything in the world, you know, pandemic wars, everything else going on, not everyone could attend in person. So we wanted to give them the opportunity. So we're going to have a little bit of a follow up as well. So there'll be even more content when all is said and done. So that should be uh, good as well. Now, for those of you who don't know Alex, uh, Alex is a staff MySQL SRE at Pinterest. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, Alex, maybe give a little background on yourself to our listeners, just so they can get to know you a little bit more. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and your background. About the background. Okay. Um, I, I was one of the uh, early days Percona employees. Well, not the very first one, but uh, I joined in 2008 and that, that was a blessing. I, I, uh, I'm thankful for such a great opportunity that I had a chance to learn from best. And uh, I used that opportunity and uh, in Percona, I, I did uh, data recovery services. I supported the data recovery toolkit. I was a consultant, I was a remote DBA. So we, we did a lot of great things at Percona. And then uh, I, uh, I started working for uh, internet companies. I, I was in Dropbox managing MySQL over there, uh, then it was Box, and then now I'm at Pinterest. So after Percona, I was mostly managing, managing large uh, fleets of MySQL servers. Uh, Dropbox and Box, it was on bare metal machines. Uh, Pinterest is, uh, is AWS based. So it's kind of different environment, but still good old MySQL. Uh, it's been always a lot of MySQL instances, uh, a lot of load, a lot of QPS. And uh, our job, my, my and my colleagues, was to <clears throat> keep it up and running. Yeah. Well, in, you know, it's, it's interesting because... You have a variety of experience. You know, at Percona, we tend to touch a lot of different environments, but post Percona, you have been in three very large environments that run MySQL at a significant scale. Something that is um, quite impressive in terms of size-wise. Now, obviously, 
size is relative to where you are. But for most people, when we're talking about thousands of machines or you know even hundreds, that's not something that in the past has been standard. Now we're seeing more and more people have more machines, um, but uh, I think that's a, a trend that is starting. And so learning and being able to pick up the tips and tricks uh, from someone who's been there and done that is often good. So I want to ask you, what is you know do, what are some of the common problems you see at scale now, as you're supporting multiple databases, you're supporting multiple environments. What are some of those common things? Maybe things that developers do that drive you nuts, or <laughs> um, other things like that. Um, yes, it it is uh, different. Uh, first of all, there is a lot of instances, and physically, it's impossible to. Uh, to do manual work that you usually do if you manage a cu couple, let's say, 10, 10 MySQL databases. Uh, when there are thousands of them, you, you have to uh, script your work, you have to automate a lot of things. And this, this becomes vitally important because teams are usually small and the uh, number of MySQL databases per head is, is very high. So that's one thing. You have to uh, automate a lot of things. The second thing is because there are so many databases, um, uh, unlikely events, they happen more often than usually, right? Mm, so okay. if, if there is a... Um, if there is a bug that uh, manifests itself in very rare circumstances, managing that large fleet, you can be sure that you will hit it. <laughs> well, that's not I good, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's life. What can you do? I remember uh, there was a there was a bug in InnoDB checksum when. Uh, so the checksum value is four bytes, okay? And uh, if if the format was compressed, uh, in it be considered uh, zero value of the checksum as as wrong value, and it crashed then. But we had so much data that uh, zero checksums. Well, first of all, it's a valid value, and when this value valid value happened, instances crashed. And we had a lot of crashes because of that. So this is the moment when I, I realized uh, how, how massive our fleet is and how uh, low probability bugs can be certain if you work in such a big environment. Yeah, that's a that, that's a really. I guess I haven't thought about that. If you have a one in one thousand chance to hit a bug, and you're running a thousand instances, you will hit it. You have the one in one thousand chance. So, um, that's a, that that is an interesting and, and a little bit scary possibility, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. and and so I, I'm guessing from a Pinterest perspective or a, even some of your box, Dropbox, the workloads are so diverse as well. Not all of the same clusters or the same machines are running the same workload. So that's going to increase the probability, if you will, of those bugs happening as well, because 
if you have one application that's always running the same workload, if you don't hit the bugs, then that's great. But if you have analytics workload and OLTP workload and auditing workload and this workload, that's going to increase the probability as well. Yep. And that's why um, you, if, if you manage, again, uh, a, a big, uh, big fleet of MySQL databases, you have to be able to quickly identify problems. And that's, that's why you have to have some tools to, to help you that. So visibility is really important. And uh, if, if somebody, you know, if, if let's say developers complain about some uh, problems with the database, uh, you have to be able to quickly identify that. And uh, we, we know, we, we use some tools. Uh, I use PMM a lot. Uh, to 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 use it to identify problems with queries, uh, and uh, what I like about it is that it it provides historical perspective. This is something that is not available in like normal slow log. That that helps a lot. And uh, again, if you if you manage large fleet. You have to be well equipped to do so. Indeed. And I think that finding that one problem in a large fleet is is a challenge that everyone running at scale has. Uh, I think it also changes the types of things you think about uh, from a, a monitoring or a alerting perspective, uh, things that you key in on. Um, you, you're, you're going to be looking for certain patterns or changes in patterns um, that you might not look at if you're running a single or a, a few um, uh, you know, things at once. Um, and, and I'm curious, are your uh, developers kind of like is, is what you're supporting enabling developers to add their own databases, add their own systems. So it's almost like you're running a, a database as a service infrastructure for them. Is that, is that how your uh, the internals work or does each uh, group kind of get like s servers you set up for them directly? Um, we, we strive towards that direction. We we do want uh, self uh, self provisioned database service. Uh, uh, it, it's not. We are not there yet. Uh, it, there are things to to improve to to introduce, uh, but we are we are moving to. To that direction, and we we kind of have to because, again, we cannot uh, we cannot do all the work. And typical uh, typical requests from developers are, well, first of all, they they start service right, so they need the database, so they need the database. They ask us to um, to provision it. The very first step that we do is we we try to automate or uh, tool the process so we can do that quickly. This the next stage is to to provide some 
interface for developers so they can do they can do it themselves so when the database is up and running what usually happens is schema changes right because the data size grows and the simple alter table is not acceptable because it's blocking even if it's online ddl there are problems with uh, replication lag so we have to do it and again if we do it manually we have as much capacity so we kind of have to introduce services that would allow uh, our clients to to do some of work and uh, we are that's essentially our work to <clears throat> to enable our customers to to let them do uh, what they want to achieve and by the way this is what this is how the uh, PA role transforms right so the rot the rot talks about DBA uh, is dead right like it, it's not that job anymore and that's true because in our daily work most of our time we spend programming we write code and this is this is probably 80% of our time we only act as DBAs when you need to troubleshoot a query or you need to understand the bug, that, that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you write code. And uh, we write code to automate things, to provide uh, interfaces for clients and, and so on. Yeah, and I've seen that as well. Um, I, I, I think I just saw a, a survey that, that we were doing, um, and I think the results were... 40% of people's time on average across everybody we surveyed is spent doing development type work, um, you know, now, which is, you know, it, it's not as much as you, but that's across every, you know, company, you know, whether it's a, a web company with massive scale or small company. So there's just more development work happening. And I think the automation is required because users demands are changing so much and they want it fast. They want it immediate. Uh, they don't want to have to wait for you or me to look into what's causing an issue or to set things up. So everything's just automated now. And I think that's going to be uh, critical and important. And I know that's your talk at Percona Live as well as going to be talking about how you're deploying proxy SQL at scale to help with some of that automation and to help with some of the um, infrastructure uh, across all of these uh, fleets and servers. And I know uh, Pinterest has thousands of servers, so that should be a really interesting talk for those who are interested in how to deploy MySQL at scale and some of the tools that are out there that you can make use of. Yep, yep. We, we employ infrastructures called principles uh, we we do that to to basically make it possible to to make uh, provisioning uh, first of all easy to maintain uh, we we do it to um, ensure uniform provisioning you know when when let's say you need to provision 10 identical instances uh, infrastructures code enables to create identical all of them 
And um, again, the law of big numbers kicks in, he kicks in here as well, because let's say you have a provisioning script, script or tool. And uh, of course, as a, any other piece of software, it has some bugs. And in some unique edge cases, it will, it will work wrong way. And uh, when it happens, you need to you need to make sure that those edge cases are caught. And uh, if let's say one out of ten instances didn't come up come up uh, healthy, uh, there are health checks that disable it and it's reprovisioned again. So eventually, you have uh, what you requested. And uh, we, we applied this uh, principle like infrastructure as code on multiple layers of provisioning, starting from provisioning uh, uh, AWS resources like EC2 instances, load balancers, etc., cetera, uh, towards uh, operating system services, proxy scale, operating system uh, settings, and up to the fine-tuning of proxy SQL instance itself. So all of that uh, is present as code in multiple repos, and uh, we, we maintain that code and uh, we maintain automation that uh, takes those pieces of code and makes things happen as we request that. Yeah. Oh, excellent. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious, as you're looking at the automation as code side, as you're looking at deploying these, are, are you deploying things via um, containers and Kubernetes, or are you um, using other infrastructure software uh, or orchestration software, whether it's Ansible or, you know, uh, Puppet or Chef? We... <laughs> On, on different layers of provisioning, we use different tools. For mm -hmm. AWS, we use Terraform. Okay. And so, short, short summary of my talk. <laughs> Three layers of provisioning. Uh, we start with AWS, that is Terraform. Then uh, when EC2 instance starts, uh, Puppet um, provisions OS level, things like configuration, some repos config, some common services, Pinterest-specific services, then proxy scale itself, and uh, provisioning software for proxy scale services. So that's the second provisioning layer. I would say it's driven by Puppet. And the third la layer of provisioning is more dynamic, it's a custom, our Python software that we wrote, it finalizes proxy scale provisioning and it also uh, updates configuration as user requests, user, I mean, DBAs requested. So these tools, they work together, uh, each of them have, the, have their own benefits and their own you know scope of competence so we we organized our provisioning process to um, 
to to take benefits of each of of the tools we do not use containers uh, frankly uh, working in AWS environment, I don't see much need for that because uh, AWS itself is is uh, agile. I mean, EC2 instances, if you think about it, they are not very much different from containers. You can start it, you can dispose it. So it works okay. well for us. Okay. Well, good. Good. And and I would encourage folks who want to get a bit deeper to attend your talk at Percona Live um, and, and get a bit more details. Now, one of the things you might not know about Alex, and he mentioned it earlier, is Alex, you know, used to spend a lot of time doing data recoveries. Now, if you're not familiar with what a data recovery is or forensic data recovery, uh, for those who are out there, and you've ever dropped a table or maybe deleted some data or done something that you really didn't want to do with the database and couldn't recover from it, we used to spend quite a bit of time going back and figuring out how to recover it. And Alex was the master of data recovery. Um, and I, I could tell you there were a lot of stories way back in the day, and I think things have gotten a little better over time, uh, where we had to spend, you know, days, weeks, you know, weekends, uh, trying to recover people's data from nothing, basically, or or the bits that were kind of like, you know, in, in the background there, uh, you know, and so that was kind of one of the areas that Alex really specialized in. He spent a lot of time doing that. It's a very unique skill set. I, I, you know, I don't see it as often anymore. I mean, do you still hear people, you know, having a need for that? Or have we reached a point where um, things are a bit more resilient and able to overcome those types of issues. Yeah, it was interesting work. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, first of all, it's because you, you learn so much about the database. You learn so much about InnoDB internals. You understand how the server is designed, how data is organized how data is manipulated, what happens when you drop table, what happens when you update table. And uh, that, that was a great opportunity to learn those insights that you typically do not have a chance to, to deal with. Okay? And uh, that, that was great because understanding the basics uh, helped me to to do consulting work, help me to optimize the queries. I I remember based on 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 this uh, knowledge, I I created a, a talk about uh, in about indexes, how they work, and I suggested uh, listeners to think about it as you would write MySQL servers, MySQL server yourself. How would you extract data if you had a secondary index? How would you design that secondary index to, to be able to do the search quickly? So that was a great experience. Another aspect of it was a customer relationship because when people came to us uh, at Percona, they were desperate. There is no backup business at risk, database is down, 
for a lot of people that was real tragedy that was real drama and i had to witness it and uh, when when we started to examine what they had like broken disc or uh, empty empty database server uh it, it was great to see how people had uh hope and uh, how they were excited when when we recovered the data so that that's also part of the work and that that is to some degree it's it's um it's a pleasure to to see that excitement in customers when when they get their data back when when their business uh is is saved i i enjoyed that i enjoyed that part of of work well and it's 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 a good experience because you mentioned the internals i find that many um, developers, SREs, DBAs, DBREs, I mean, in, in the current generation, don't quite understand the internals. They might understand how to potentially do some light configuration or maybe do some query tuning. I know how to add an index, but they don't know how databases themselves work and how the internals are processing things. And I think that potentially limits the scalability and the performance and the security of the systems. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, what I see is, you know, there are there are many advices in the internet. Like, if you if you want your day, your queries to be fast, create the index. And uh, unfortunately. Those advisors do not explain why. And you do, if you don't truly understand what happens when you create an index and how it happens, um, you are indeed limited in, in uh, your ability to unlock the best from the database. And as opposite, if, if you understand what you can do, uh, that creates um, a lot of space for imagination and that helps with <clears throat> with the service development as well because you understand what the database is capable of, right? And it's not a black box anymore for you. So you can... And that, of course, uh, impacts design decisions on, on the service itself. So it is important to to know about internals to some degree, even for non DBAs, even for database users, or in general for software for software developers. Yeah, no, no, to totally true. And so I, I I like to do this at the at the end of my talks, and so I want to transition just a little bit. And I like to throw some random rapid fire questions at you. There, there, I have a list of questions. I, I randomly pick a few off the list just to get um, a, a little bit more uh, interaction, a little bit more detail about you. 
Um, and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I've been doing this the last few weeks and I like it. So I think I'm going to keep doing it. Um, you, you know, I think you're like the, the fifth or sixth person. So here we go. Are you ready? All right, here we go. So what is the most, in your opinion, the most underappreciated configuration variable in MySQL? Like what, what do people forget about? What should they know about? What, what do you think uh, that would be? Um, buffer pool size? Buffer pool size? Okay. Hey, there is no right or wrong answer, right? This is just your opinion, right? So, uh, so you know, people don't set the InnoDB buffer pool. Of course, that's going to be a, a significant problem. Um, you know, so there, there is that. Now, um, moving on, what is your favorite tool that you use on a day-to-day -day basis? Favorite tool that I use on day-to-day -day, day -day basis? Hmm. Is programming language a tool? Sure. There is no right or wrong answer. Okay. Then I would go with Python. Although that takes the next question off my list, which was what is your favorite programming language? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there, there is that. Um, so you write a lot of Python code. Okay. Yeah. That, I that, do. That's, yeah. Okay. And so as you are thinking about um, high availability, okay, um, do you prefer using mm -hmm. clusters that are already kind of pre-built or do you prefer using standard replication with some sort of failover mechanism? Mm. Like a PXE I, or an NODB cluster versus, um, you know, uh, a, a primary replica with orchestrator, proxy SQL or something else doing the failover. I prefer... Um, Normal replication, legacy replication, asynchronous replications, replication. There are many names for it, and the reason for that is because of its simplicity. It's it's really simple. It's rock solid, reliable. Yeah, it has its own problems, and in real, <laughs> ironically, in reliability itself. Um, but. Over many years, we we gained a lot of experience with it, and uh, as a result, we we have a lot of confidence in it. And um, over the years, uh, those shortcomings of um, of the standard replication, I would say there are workarounds, there are remediations like semi-sync replication, and. Um, crash resiliency that by the way percona uh designed did percona design it or was it with facebook i i don't remember but i remember this feature in 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 percona server and i remember testing it with with vadim so long story short uh replication is simple uh quite reliable and familiar for everybody and um i've I find it more convenient uh, to work with. Okay. Weirdest problem you've ever encountered? Like weirdest MySQL issue that just sticks out? Like is there one that jumps to the top of your head? <laughs> yeah. I, <clears throat> I remember we, we had a problem. Uh, we had a problem when primary key lookups suddenly became too slow i mean from 
normal expected two milliseconds, one two milliseconds response time up to up to thirty milliseconds. You know that. Oh was, wow, that's uh, a pretty significant increase. Yeah, and uh, it was hard to catch bug, and uh, we couldn't understand what's what's what was going on. And eventually we had to run. So we got, we got a moment when two identical servers uh, were executed. One was good, one was bad. And we, we ran, <clears throat> we ran uh, GDB to catch stack trace and hunt down the bug that we found deep in, in ADB internals. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was interesting. That was interesting experience, and uh, what I like about it the most is after a week of the struggle, we found we finally found the, the problem and fixed it. So it oh, was- that's good. Well, it, and so that that's one of those things that it's always there's two two things, right? It's good to find the problem, but it's also good to know that you're not going crazy, and that like it's not like you know because sometimes you're like, oh my god, I, th- am I am I at fault? After a week, you're kind of like. Did I do something wrong? Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. But Alex, I want to thank you for hanging out with me today. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your background, some of the things that you're doing at Pinterest, some of you know the history that we've we've shared together. I think this has been a great chat, um, and uh, you know, hope to have you on again sometime. Thank you, Matt. It was pleasure to see you again, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Offline. All right. Yeah, definitely. And for those who are watching this video, please feel free to subscribe to the channel, like it, you know, give us a thumbs up, you know, let us know if you want to hear from more people, give us suggestions. We, we, we love, we'd love to hear from you and we all hope to see you at Percona Live. Bye everybody. Bye bye. Wow. What a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.